All right, well, let's uh, turn in our Bibles to the book of 3 John. It's right after 2 John. We read 2 John last week, and we're going to hit 3 John this week. Um, it's page uh, 1907 in your pew Bibles if you're looking for it. 3 John. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men, so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends, Greet the friends by their name. Thus ends our reading of God's unfailing word. May all who hear it be working together for the truth. The truth who is Jesus Christ. I want to begin my message today with a question, or rather a series of questions. And as I'm asking these questions, I want you to really consider how you would answer I want you to think deeply about each one of these questions. Question number one. If you knew that Jesus, yes, Jesus Christ, was coming to this church in order to preach to you, what would you do to get ready? What kind of preparations would you make in order to welcome him in? What kind of honor and respect would you show to him? How would you prepare yourself to hear his message? Question number two. If you knew that Jesus was coming to this church in order to correct you, in order to, to guide you, that you might become a healthier church, would you listen to his words? Would you take the instructions that he gives to you and instill them within your own heart? 
Would you do what he asks you to do? Question number three. If you knew that Jesus was coming to this church in order to enact church discipline, would you be repentant? Would you be like that faithful child, the one who knows that his father's wisdom is greater than his own, and so he changes his way, trusting that in the long run that this discipline will be good for him? Last week, we looked at the book of 2 John. And it was in that book that we received both a warning and an instruction. The warning was to watch out for false teachers, for, for deceivers, for antichrists. And the instruction was, was to not welcome them into your house. In other words, you were not to give them access to this pulpit. And so the message was a message of inhospitality. This week, however, we're, we're looking at the book of 3 John. And the message that we will receive today seems to be the exact opposite of 2 John. For the apostle is now commanding us to be hospitable. He wants us to welcome into our homes and to welcome to our pulpit these preachers of the gospel. So what's changed? Why are we to welcome some and not others? Once we understand the context of this epistle, the answer becomes pretty clear. For what's, what's going on in this letter is, is that the Apostle John had sent some of his own missionaries to a certain church in the hopes to strengthen that church. But these missionaries did not receive a warm greeting. They were not welcomed in as they should have been. Rather, they were, they were cast out. Now, were these missionaries false teachers? Were they antichrists who needed to be shunned? Of course not. I mean, after all, it was the Apostle John who had sent them in the first place, and, and he would not send anyone unless they had been walking in the truth. And yet, for some reason, these men were treated as if they were antichrists. They, they were looked upon like they were false teachers. But there was one man, one man in this church, a man named Gaius, who, who saw what was going on and did something about it. He had welcomed these missionaries into his own home and had taken care of their every need. You see, those whom John had sent were preaching the truth. They, they, they had brought the message of the true gospel. They bore witness to the true Jesus. And now John wanted this Gaius to know that the welcome that he had shown to, the, to these servants of Christ was a reflection of Gaius' own love for Christ. And this is a message for us as well. The welcome that we show to those whom Christ calls is also a reflection of our own love for Jesus. Let's see what this means. Let's dive into this letter and see how this plays out. Look at, look at verses 1 and 2. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health 
and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Well, just like last week, John introduces himself as the elder, demonstrating his authority over the church that this Gaius was a part of. But unlike last week, John was now writing to an individual rather than to a whole group of people, rather than to a church as a whole. Now, who is this, this Gaius? Honestly, we, we just don't know. There are a few different Gaiuses that are mentioned throughout the New Testament. For, for instance, there's, in the book of Acts, we read about a man from Macedonia who was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul, and his name was Gaius. There's also a Gaius mentioned in the book of Romans. There's also a Gaius mentioned in Corinthians. But to say that the man in this letter is one of those Gaiuses is just speculation. Most likely this was a different man altogether. And so everything that we can truly know about him comes from this letter. And fortunately, we, we find out some things about him in this letter. And the first thing that we find out is that John loved this man in the truth. In other words, John had an affection towards him because of their common confession in Christ. And that's why he addresses him as a dear friend. But John then continued his greeting. He, he then wished this man that his physical well-being would be just as healthy as his soul was. You see, what we will soon find out about this, this man's soul is that he had a soul that was faithful to walk in the truth. He had a soul that was faithful to walk in love. He had a soul that was faithful to walk in obedience to the commands of Christ Jesus. We'll see exactly how he did this. Look at, look at verses 3 and 4. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You see, this man's soul was well because he was walking in the truth. In other words, he, he had a sound theology concerning Jesus Christ and his teachings. And because that was the case, he had a love. A love for Christ and a love for Christ's people. And because that was the case, he walked in obedience. His actions were in accord to the teachings of Christ. This, this Gaius, this, this dear friend of John's, was ordering his life according to the truth. And we see that the Apostle John, he heard word of this. He got wind of Gaius' faithfulness. Now, how this report came to John, we don't exactly know. My guess is that these missionaries that John had sent out had, not, had sent their own letter back to John, updating him and all the problems that were going on in this church. And it was probably in that letter that they, they praised this dear brother, this man named Gaius, for the courage and the kindness that he displayed to them. Perhaps that's what happened. We don't know. Whatever the case, John... He did receive this good report regarding Gaius. And he says, I could have no greater joy 
than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. The fact that Christ was working both in and through this man brought John happiness. But what exactly were the actions that Gaius had taken? What was it about this man that that demonstrated to the Apostle John that he was walking in the truth? Look at verses 5 through 8. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. This is now the third time that John referred to Gaius as a dear friend. How well did John really know this man? The answer to that is uncertain, but what we do know is that, was that Gaius was acting as a dear friend. And any friendship that they had formed previously was now being reinforced by the loving actions of this man. You see, Gaius, he, he did not know these missionaries that John had sent. They, they were but strangers when they had first arrived. And yet Gaius welcomed them into his own home as if they were Christ himself. He gave them not only a bed to rest in, but he also put food on their plates and wine in their cups. And by taking them in, he was basically vouching for these men within his own community. He was now their protector, their guardian. And any actions that these men now took would have been a reflection upon Gaius' reputation in that city. And this is why these missionaries bragged him up so much. For Gaius, Gaius was being like Christ to them. He was putting them ahead of his own self. Why would he do this? Why would Gaius take these strangers into his own home? Why would he love them the way that he did? Because of how Christ treated him. Jesus died for Gaius. He he paid the penalty for this man's sin. And so he was now committed to Christ's mission. He was committed to his Savior. And it was his Savior who had sent these men out to further his cause. It was because of the mission of Jesus Christ that Gaius acted the way he did and loved the way that he loved. For these men, these strangers, had gone out for the sake of the name, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Think about it. If it was Jesus who had called these men in the first place, then what else could Gaius do? Christ was the one who had sent them. They were his ambassadors, his emissaries. And so how Gaius treated them was simply a reflection of how Gaius treated Christ. To honor them was to honor Jesus. To dishonor them would be to dishonor Jesus. 
In the upcoming months, you will have a number of different men walking through those doors ready to proclaim the word of God to you. They will be called just as these missionaries were called. They will come for the sake of the name. And how you welcome them into your church will speak volumes. Will you treat them as if they were directly sent from Jesus Christ himself, from his throne room? Will you show them the hospitality that would be fitting of a king? Will you be like Gaius to these men? You see, when, when you are doing this, when you are welcoming in and taking care of the needs of God's servant, then, then you are just as involved in their gospel ministry as they are. You suddenly become a part of it. And this is why the Apostle John said these words. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. If you want to see a church that is truly flourishing, then you need to find a church where all the believers are on the same page when it comes to Christ's mission. Where everyone is in unison as they work together for the truth. This is what this man Gaius was all about. He, he used the gifts that God had given to him for the purpose of this gospel ministry. For the purpose of working for the truth. But there was one more reason for John to praise this man named Gaius. For, for as he worked together with these men for the truth, he was also being ostracized by the leadership within his own church. There was a cost to what he did. Look at, look at verses 9 and 10. John writes this, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. If Gaius was an example of walking in the truth, then this diatrophies was just the opposite. Now, now, it was customary for missionaries like these to have brought a letter, a letter of commendation from the one who had sent them. In this case, the Apostle John. I mean, think about that. They're coming from the Apostle John, the very man who was taught by Jesus Christ himself. This, this letter that they brought to the elders of this church, it it, it had John's signature on it. It had his seal. That's who this was coming from. But one of the elders of this church was this Diotrephes. And Diotrephes did not take kindly to whatever letter was, that was brought to him. He would have nothing to do with the Apostle John or the apostles' missionaries. And the reason that John gives for such treacherous behavior was that he loved to be first. 
Now, did that mean that he didn't want to share the pulpit? Possibly. But it seems that there was some type of personal beef between this Diotrephes and the Apostle John. Perhaps in this letter that John sent, he had corrected Diotrephes over some theological error. Or maybe there was an issue on how Diotrephes was handling the church. Whatever the case, we, we know for certain that, that this man, he, he loved to be in charge. And he loved to exercise his authority. And so he rejected John's men. And he did so in three different ways. One, he spoke malicious gossip. Two, he was inhospitable. And three, he abused his own authority. Well, let's take a closer look at each one of these three, and starting with malicious gossip. What is malicious gossip? Well, at its heart, it is the attempt to ruin the reputation of another. It's when you speak slanderously about someone else. And this malicious gossip can take on a number of different forms. It's when you talk behind someone's back. It's when you spread rumors about another person who, without going to that person first in order to make sure that those rumors are true. It's being the anonymous critic. It's making sure that the faults of someone else reaches the ears of every single person, including the person that you find fault with. Yet it's done in such a way that that same person doesn't even realize that it was you who was given the critique in the first place. Bottom line is this. Malicious gossip is an attempt to tear someone down without putting your own neck on the line. It's both secretive and destructive. Second way that Diotrephes rejected these men. He was being inhospitable. What does this look like? Well, in our context, that Diotrephes had refused to take these men into his own home or allow them access to speak with the church. But there are other ways to be inhospitable, is there not? You see, the, the mindset behind inhospitality is to make the person feel small and unwanted. It's shunning those who you do not like. It's making their life difficult in the hopes that they will, they will just go away. It's to say to them, you are not wanted here. Why don't you leave? To be inhospitable is to demean another human being. Another human, another image bearer of God. But for diatrophies, gossip and inhospitality just wasn't enough. And so we, we see this third way that diatrophies rejected these men. And he did so through the abuse of his own authority. Having a powerful position within that church, he was able to remove a man like Gaius and treat him as an outcast. I mean, think about that. Gaius. This, this man who, who had shown nothing but Christ's love to these men. 
He was now estranged from his church because of one man's need to be in charge. Dear friends, how often do we use our own authority, the authority that God has given to us, to to make life more difficult for those whom we disagree with? How often do we take advantage of, of a position that we may hold in order to lord it over another and to exact revenge? And how often do we do these things simply because we want everything to go our own way? Remember, the, the, the reason Diotrephes did these things was because he loved to be first. He, he wanted things to go the way that he wanted them to go. And so he manipulated the situation for his own purposes. And in so doing, he put his own agenda above God's agenda. He put his own kingdom above God's kingdom. Listen, if you want to work together for the truth, if you want to be on the side of Christ, then then you need to put your own agenda away. And you need to consider what God's agenda is. There will come a day in this church when you will call a new pastor. And when he arrives, it will be as if Jesus Christ had sent him himself. He will be Christ's ambassador. He will be Christ's emissary. He will represent your Lord and Savior. Now don't get me wrong, he won't be perfect like Jesus is perfect. Just as I was not perfect during my time here. But, but there is a certain honor that will be due this man because of the calling that is upon his life. And you, you as a church, can either work with him or you can work against him. The choice will be up to you. But I'll tell you what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to work together for the truth. Even when this new pastor doesn't do things the way you think he should do things. Even when this new pastor irritates you or rubs you the wrong way. You see, here's the thing. Whoever this next man will be, this next man who will be called to lead you guys, he's not going to be like me. And maybe for some of you, that's a good thing. But for others of you, it won't be a good thing. You might miss some of the aspects that, that I brought to the office. But what I don't want you to do is I, I don't want you to play the, the comparison game. Whoever this man will be, he is going to do things differently. He will have a different personality. He will have different strengths. He will have different weaknesses. And for some of you, that will be good. But for others, it will seem strange and unfamiliar. For he will preach differently. He will counsel differently. He will be involved within this church in different, different ways. And the people he will connect to will be different than the people that I connect to. Some of you who have a, a tight relationship with me may find that, that he will not be as close. But then others of you who maybe felt that I was distant, you might be the very ones that this next pastor becomes best friends with. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You see, when, what, what, what you will be tempted to do is, is to compare this new man to me 
or to compare him to any other pastor that has been here before. And this is exactly what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to think that he should be like this or he should be like that. For when you do that, then, then you will be tempted to reject this man. To reject him in the ways that Diotrephes rejected the men who were sent from John. Rather, I would rather see you guys have an attitude of Gaius. I, I want you to work with your new pastor. For the sake of the truth. For the sake of Jesus Christ. The one who will send this man to you. And and I want you to do so. Even when it seems unfamiliar. Even when things are not going according to your plans. Listen to the instruction of the author of Hebrews. Look at Hebrews 13 verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work may be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Let me read that again. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. Dear friends, you will have a choice. You can either welcome this man in a manner fitting of your king, or you can make his life uncomfortable through malicious gossip, inhospitality, and through the abuse of your own authority. You can either work together for the truth, or you can work against the truth. The choice is yours. The Apostle John, in our story, in our letter, he desired that both he and Gaius would work together for the truth. And so he encouraged him with these words. Look at verse 11. Dear friend, this is now the fourth time he's calling him dear friend. Do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. What John is basically saying here is that our walk with Christ will eventually become evident through our commitment to his mission. If you have your own agenda, if you're trying to build your own kingdom, then you have yet to see God. But if you are focused on God's agenda, if you are working together for the truth, then you, yes, even you, are from God. Jesus is asking you to lay aside your personal kingdom and to embrace his. Will you do this? Will you welcome in your next pastor as if he were Jesus Christ? Let us pray. Father, we come to you now with uncertain hearts. For we we don't know what the future holds. 
And at times it can be scary. And so we, we, we tend to like to take charge rather than to trust in you. We like to manipulate and to scheme to get our own way. Help us not to do this. Help us to trust in you. And we ask specifically that, that, that whoever you send to this church next, that, that, that we would welcome him in and that we would work together for the truth. Your truth is revealed in your son. May we get on his agenda, on his plan when it comes to this church. We can only do this through the, the mighty workings of your Holy Spirit. This can only happen if we would submit our hearts to your will. And so we ask that you would guide us along this path, that your Holy Spirit would move in mighty ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.